You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. That means it is time for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. I'm excited to be here for Mental Health Monday, as always. And we're starting a new series today um, on generativity. Generativity. Let's all say it together. Generativity. Generativity. (laughs) Did you make that up? I did it. It does sound like something I would make up. (laughs) Right. Because I would have totally pronounced it differently. So thank you for helping us say it phonetically. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. And it's funny because once you break it down, then it's like, oh, I get it. But when you first see it, it just sounds like this really large, weird word that possibly Heidi made up or scientists somewhere and no one bothered to explain. And so I thought we would start with a little bit of an explanation of it today, which is what is generativity. And then we'll talk about the generations and what the idea of generations have to do with mental health. Um, I think that'll be a really cool place to land because as soon as I say the word generations, I hope that the listener can start to have come up for them internally some scriptural ideas, right? Because generations is such a common scriptural theme and it just fits so wonderfully uh, with how God supports our mental health and has built us for health, even even in a broken world and a place full of sin and our own sinfulness and all that good stuff too. So, um, so we'll start with a little introduction, um, explanation, and of course the famous Andy and Sarah questions, and then we'll go to some of those scriptural themes near the end of our time together. Next week we'll talk about um, building that generativity and more uh, distinct practical things we can put into our lives for that, and then at the end of the month we'll wrap up with some some roadblocks and I'm hoping some stories actually of generativity in people's lives. So we'll we'll get into all of that. But if you look on my website, HeidiGaiman.com, tomorrow there'll be an article that really outlines generativity and stagnation, which is the opposite of generativity, according to Eric Erickson's theory of development. And uh, I'm just going to read a little quote from that to help define generativity. It says, generativity is a fancy word that means awareness of generations to come. And that that's Heidi Gaiman saying that. Um, when you put together all of the science of generativity, um, the psychology of it with what we know that God gives us in his foundation of care for us and provision for us, I really think it has to do with that awareness of generations to come. There's a time for the here and now, but in our middle adulthood around ages 40 to 65, we are intensely aware that our world can be left for the better or for the worse based on what we contribute during our time here. We make moral and ethical decisions, relational decisions, based on whether we care more about this moment or more about this as well as its place in a string of moments. Generativity creates change makers. We don't really have to try to change the world. 
although many will contribute to that good work. We can also just change our corner of it. And so generativity is this place of middle adulthood. I prefer that over like middle age, maybe because I'm <laughs> solidly in it right now, just cross, the, cross that <laughs> threshold, right? Um, but middle adulthood, it's it, the middle is of everything likely the messiest part, the parts where there's the most sorting, um, because you have that foundation, which is such a great thing. It feels really good to begin to understand our identity more, to have some solid intimacy um, and relationship. And then we get to dig in further. But that comes with mess, right? We we are forced to look around us and see that things aren't the way maybe they should be a little bit more than we did um, in our 20s and 30s, a little bit more than we did when we were working so solidly on our identity, you know, turning internally a little bit more, which is just that developmental stage uh, that, um, and you know, I've talked about this a lot, how we kind of repeat our developmental stages but this one, I think, is one that some people struggle to get to at all because they haven't been able, whether by trauma or by um, life circumstance or by our own selfish, sinful greed, they haven't really gotten past that work of identity or that work of intimacy. Like you need those two things in order to enter this awareness of generations to come. And I think we can see that, especially in our political climate. Um that we can see really clearly whether people are thinking very individually and um, based on their personal identity or maybe even their closest relationships, but aren't able to do the work of looking wider at what we are leaving for people uh, to come, what we are leaving for the kids in our midst, what we're leaving for our great-grandchildren and those kind of things. And Understand that generativity isn't about losing the individuality. It isn't about losing your sense of self and identity. It's not about losing any of that. But it is about having that alongside this awareness of other people and other generations to come. So any thoughts on that, you guys, before we keep going? Well, I, I'm not quite at that, that middle time of life yet. Uh, so I, I can kind of see how that can be a thing. I'm married to someone who is in that middle time of life. And our our own identities and where we are in that in those developmental stages, I can see how that how that is a thing for for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, and my own like where I am in my own developmental identity, I am still a little bit more um, looking I don't know if inward is the right thing, but, but what I can do uh, for myself um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not, not quite at this generativity stage. <laughs> I love it, right? Just lean into that, right? <laughs> um, what I hear you saying is that there's a tension maybe between the different developmental phases that are going on at one time in your household. And I think that's a really awesome thing because that's true of so many of us, right? Um, we live with people in different developmental stages. And some of that is kind of clear cut with the Erickson model with age ranges. But 
I do think, Sarah, you know, we can give you a little bit more credit that you are a person who, because of likely your upbringing, because of your foundation in Christ, because of some of the internal work that you have done, that you do lean toward generativity, maybe in a little earlier time, maybe because of the influence of your spouse, all those different things. And so you can see in your story that you just shared both the clear cutness of it, but also the like not even close to clear cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Those that's where we want to be that duality of understanding developmental stages that we are both uh, aided by understanding our particular kind of stage that's happening at one time, but also that we're not relegated to that. Those that's a good place to be. So that's really awesome. How about you, Andy? Any thoughts? Oh boy. I am, I, well, yeah, I fall into that category of the, the middle life. Uh, now I've forgotten what the question was. I, maybe <laughs> I'm older. There's no question. That's the thing is I was like, Hey, you want to just share your thoughts? So you don't have to do that. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that, um, it is kind of interesting that, well, Andy and I went to school together, right, for our bachelor's degree and all that good stuff. Um, but notice, too, that you have a really young person in your home. So that also is going to affect maybe some of the ways that you process these developmental stages, whereas my family is solidly moving toward, you know, really raising teens and older school-age children. And so that also impacts the way that I experience my uh, developmental phases as well and kind of growing with my kids and doing my own thing and what kinds of things I want to change for them, you know? So mm -hmm. it's good for our world to, to be small and also grow wider, I guess, as we age, if you will. Sure. I can see that now. <laughs> I can see, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just processing. Um, it takes me a while to do that, but Carry on. I know we're short on time. So no, no, it's good. No, it's great. And um, I think that's one thing we love about Mental Health Monday is that this is an organic conversation of these things. <laughs> um, we want to share some professional wisdom, but at the same time, I think there is a lot to process. And you and Sarah do a, such an awesome job of organically being like, okay, that takes some time to process. I'm going to need a minute for that. That's exactly where the listener should be. Like, it's not like we're going to uh, just be at a place of total health because we listen to Mental Health Monday. Instead, we process these things together. We want the listener to take it away, to ask questions of themselves, to lean back in, that kind of stuff. And so as we do that, um, I would invite you guys and also the listener to consider where they see generativity in their life, right? And this is on a spectrum. It's not like we all do generic, like, oh, I got my checkbox, generativity, and now I'm moving on. <laughs> Um, it helps to kind of think of it, though, in the form of legacy. That's our language, I think, culturally. Mm -hmm. So it helps us to understand a little bit more if we lean into that term legacy and what does that mean for us. I think that we are fooling ourselves if we think that like 20-year-olds or even 9-year-olds aren't concerned about legacy. But obviously, that's going to look a lot different than someone who's 60. Uh, you can see why, mortality-wise, we're a little more aware of it when we're 60 than we are when we're nine years old. Uh, that said, we should always be opening this up for the people around us 
and also for ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me. So we want to ask ourselves, where is generativity in my life? And where do I see that, again, awareness of generations to come? And so when I look around me, what stands out about what I want for the next generation, whether that's my own kids or kids in my life or um, kids in my community, or um, what do I think I want the earth to be left with in 20 years or 70 years instead of just tomorrow or today. And so as we go into break, I would say that's the number one question we want to be asking ourselves when we talk about the concept of generativity is where do I see this awareness of generations in my life? And that alone will build generativity. We're talking generativity, or as I mispronounce it, generativity, uh, <laughs> with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking generativity on Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And I'm still processing, but uh, let, let's move forward. Heidi, where would you like for us to, to go with genera- g- generativity today? Yeah, that's awesome. No, I know. Every time, every time. It'll be hard to say. It's great. Um, So I think we'll start with uh, going back to the touch point of what is uh, kind of an individual orientation and what's a community orientation in generativity, the value of both those things. And that will help us process this a little bit more. And then I want to share a little bit of scripture that helps bring generativity to the light on that biblical foundation of who Christ is in our life. And so we see uh, a problem in generativity uh, when we see stagnation in our life. And that means that, number one, feeling of being stuck, like not really knowing where to go for the future, if you will. And that's not a terrible thing. In the same way that fear isn't a terrible thing, it's just information for us. Uh, We want to take in that information and ask ourselves more questions. Stagnation also looks like um, we have relationships, you know, we've done the work of intimacy, but we don't see the growth in ourselves or in our relationships. And so uh, some of that can have to do with this idea that we're only really concerning ourselves with today. And yes, biblically, you know, today is good and tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. But there's also um, plenty of things in the Bible about looking forward and being eternally focused, right? 
And so generativity is about being eternally focused when it comes to Christ, uh, knowing that I reside here in this time and place, but I do that in a bigger picture and a bigger story. And I want to make an impact in this world in my short time here uh, because there is a bigger story of restoration and hope out there. So what do you guys think? And that's my Andy and Sarah question for the day is, um, what is the benefit to that kind of individual orientation and that today orientation? And then what's some of the benefit of that generalization or that generation orientation of what's to come tomorrow? Any thoughts on that, you guys? I have a bit of a process engineer in my brain. So when I think about these things on on a larger scale, it's you have to you have to understand what's going on right now in order to understand what you want the future to look like. Otherwise, you're just kind of like, what is it, throwing mm-hmm. spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks? Um, <laughs> That's a good <laughs> analogy. I love it. <laughs> I, I like having that 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 knowledge of, uh, at least individually, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Mm-hmm. What do I want to work on? Uh, what are my talents? And then how can I use that? What does that look like 20 or 30 years down the mm-hmm. road in my own communities and and using my own strengths and talents in order to benefit the people around me and the people who will come after me. Yeah. And you know, like All Saints Day is a really great way that we kind of focus in on this in the church or Pentecost maybe a little bit, although I have a lot of opinions about how we don't celebrate that the way we should. Like we don't actually <laughs> celebrate Pentecost. Um, but All Saints Day, we look back, but to look forward if we're doing it the way that I think that's intended to be done for the feast day, that we are celebrating uh, those who have gone before us for what they've done for us. That's also generativity, right? That's also being aware that there's generations impacting generations and then looking forward to where is my space in this uh, sinner saint reality that we live in? And what, you know, what do I want to be said of me and mostly, what do I want to be said of Christ because of me um, when they ring that bell, when it's my turn? You know, that's a very real thing. And I think there's benefits to that. So, and you're right, that's all very strengths and weakness and growth and learning and everything oriented. So any thoughts, Andy, before we go to the scripture? Hmm. What do you think can come from more of an individual? What do I think can come from an individual orientation? I think that's the that's when I ask those questions of what's my part, what, what have mm-hmm. I been given and what can I do with that? But um, mm-hmm. that, that also is very directly related to the the bigger picture as mm-hmm. well. You're um, right. Yeah. As you say that I picture like concentric circles, right? So you yeah. are this circle in the middle and that has meaning and purpose. That's important to God, mm-hmm. that individuality. And again, it's a duality. Then there's the larger concentric circle of the body of Christ, of humanity, that God, this creation that he's made, this big story of uh, creation, redemption and restoration to come. Those are all really important. And by the way, I talk about these concentric circles and and some other parts of them in my book that comes out in April, Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration. Um, Because I don't think we're always aware of the circles. And you said that so beautifully, Andy. You know, there's uh, these two places that we reside in together. And by actually being aware of them, that's generativity. Like, it's so simple, but it's also this large concept, you know. Did you hear that? I'm a generativity expert. You are. (laughs) 
if you need generativity help, Andy has it for you. No. Didn't even know it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, so if we look into scripture, which I think is really helpful, and we'll have a little bit more in the weeks to come too, uh, but I just want to point out a few scriptures that help give us this foundation of why we look to all generations. I mean, I can give you all the psychological ideas you want about why generativity matters for your mental health, but it doesn't matter if God... <laughs> God doesn't have anything to say about it. And here's the good news. God always has something to say about it. He includes all this stuff in scripture, all this psychological stuff we throw out there. I'm amazed again and again, if it's truth, if it lasts, if it's real, it's in scripture. And so Psalm 78, four says, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. You know, there's a place for generativity when we are sharing what God has done. So that's one way that we bring generativity into this world and into our lives is by simply praising the Lord and saying, look, look at where he's been in my life and look at where he's been in the bigger picture. So that's one way to enter into generativity. Esther 9, 28, and by the way, Donna Snow has an amazing study chosen that really focuses in on this question of my time and place in the world, um, and it's around the book of Esther. And Esther 9, 28 says that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province. So the good news for uh, Lutherans is this one is about ritual, like ritual and celebration of those feast days and those moments and the holidays. If you want to think of it culturally, those are places that we bring generativity into our life because we're trying to hand them down, right? I don't celebrate Easter just for me. I celebrate it because the people before me celebrated it and because it's something I want to share with my kids or with my friends or with the next generation, if you will. Uh, just a couple more. Joel 1.3 says, um, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children the next generation. And I think that's cool. Like it's not just about people who have kids. And I think this is really clear here because it, it's about generation after generation after generation after generation. We do hand it down through family. That's a huge piece of the gospel and how it's shared. But also Jesus says, who are my mothers and my brothers, right? When, when it says, tell your children, God is talking about all of his children and he wants to gather all of them to him. And I think we're out of time. So... The last one I'll leave you is Ephesians 3.21, and I invite the listener to look that up on their own because that will uh, guide us in this continued conversation of what is generativity. Ephesians 3.21 is a beautiful testimony to who Christ is to all generations. Very good. And Heidi, where can we find your writing and uh, more about your book as well that's coming out? Absolutely. HeidiGaiman.com is always a good place to find me. Um, you can Google that. You can also go to CPH and there's a landing page for the book. That'll be on my website soon too. So all, both good places to start. And I'm on all the social medias. So look for Heidi Gaiman Writes. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour for Mental Health Monday. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.